Thanks for coming today. My name is Dave. As you guys, if I haven't met you yet, I'm on the teaching team here at KCF. A um, little bit of Dave humor. So as I was thinking about this morning what to wear, I decided to wear this shirt. And you might say, what is that? It's a, it's my, it's a diagram of the AirPods, right? The Apple AirPods. But I got it in Cupertino, actually. But I said, this is going to be my Bible shirt. And I was thinking, why is this the Bible shirt? It's because Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. <laughs> anyway, thanks for laughing. That was the Dave joke for this morning. No. So, <laughs> come on. So, I thought, you know, you can always look at those AirPods or whatever you use, and you can say, you know, just like the Bible, if I don't be deliberate to listen, I'm not going to hear. So it's the same thing. I'm going to wear this again next week. Yeah. So um, good morning. Uh, it's great to be here again and sharing with you. Uh, hopefully, uh, most of you, if not all of you, are in life groups, yeah? Or a life group, I should say. And we've been going through this series, Letters to KCF, built on the book that Francis, Pastor Francis Chan wrote, Letters to the Church. And uh, I hope it's been really challenging for you. Right? So this is not one of those series where, uh, unfortunately, or however you look at it, you come to service and you can just kind of chill out, feel good. Oh, that was just, you know, I feel, I feel recharged for the week. And then you come back next. This is not one of those series. This series is deliberately designed to challenge you. It's going to challenge, if it hasn't already, it should be challenging your notion of what is church. It's going to also, if it hasn't already, challenge you in what it means to truly be a Christ follower. And so what we're going to be talking about today in this series is a little bit more unpacking of what that means to be a Christ follower and what the implication is for our church, the body of Christ. It's challenging because I think Pastor Chan has laid out very well and Pastor Mark has, has spoken about this many weeks, is that when you look at what the Bible says of the early church, and you look at what the modern church is doing today, there's a lot of disconnect, and it's challenging. So we're going to see more about that this morning, okay? So be ready. Um, I'll just start with a story this morning because... Um, you guys might know that when I was in college, uh, I wasn't a Christ follower in college. In fact, I was on the other end of the spectrum. As a freshman, I was an atheist, and then I became an agnostic later. But the thing I remembered, and it resonated with me with this chapter in Letters to the Church, is that there was, what drew me to learn more about Jesus was there was something different about the Christians on campus. And there was just something that I couldn't quite explain it, but they, they just seemed a little different to me. And I was having lunch yesterday with a good friend of mine, and I was sharing a little bit with him, like, are Christians different? Do they look different to you? Because sometimes I think if you read the stats of Christians and, and, and those who aren't Christians, the stats of the demographics of marriages, divorce rates, you know, all these challenges look similar. And so my question to my friend was, do you see a difference 
between Christians and, and those who are not. And he actually said, no, I do see a difference, Dave. He's not a Christian, you know. Uh, but he was like, no, I do see a difference. And, and it made me feel like we got to be pouring more of ourselves into that to look different from the world. And so this week is specifically focused on what is that thing specifically that helps us or is supposed to be our call to look different from the world. And it basically comes out to this. Okay, so let's, <clears throat> let me see if I can flip this. It really goes to John chapter 13, 35 here. And this is the crux of it, right? And if there's something I want you to take away from today, this week, it's really this. And this is Jesus just saying, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And that this he's talking about is if you love one another. So this week is about, like Nathan was talking about, it's about loving one another. And not just like intellectually, oh yeah, I got to love this person. But it's really specifically about what does it mean to truly love one another. And as I was thinking about it for today's message, you know, for me... I was like, what does that mean? Love one another. Because it seems in some ways you, you can interpret that like, well, yeah, I love them, I love them. You know, but what does it really mean? Because it's so important to Jesus that this is how they will know that we're Christians, that we're followers of Christ, right? So to think about that for a second, right? What would it mean to love one another? And I, I was thinking that loving one another in the sense that Jesus is talking about in John 13 there is, it stops being something that we're striving to do, but it actually becomes my way of life. It's just the way I live. It's just who I am. So when you talk to your friends and your coworkers and your, could be your family who don't know Christ, do they know that what's different about you is how you live your life, is that you just deeply love each other? That's what it was, I think, in the first church. When you look at Acts chapter 2, where they, we talk, we've read about this, there is nothing intellectually or logically that makes sense why someone would sell all of their possessions and give to others in the church in need. It doesn't make sense. But it's because there is this profound love for one another. It's almost like supernatural kind of love. Right? It, it is a love that just doesn't come from just the, oh yeah, I kind of love them. But it's this deep, profound love. So how do we get that kind of love where it becomes a way of life? It becomes a part of who you are, a character of your being. And that, loving one another, is how we're going to reflect Christ in the world. It's when we get to that point, and again, not to strive, but that becomes our way of life is when we truly start to reflect Christ, I think, to others. And when I think back to my time at Claremont in college, I think that's what I was seeing on the, with the Christians on campus. When I was looking at them, what I saw was how much they love one another. You know, there's a lot of people who are just nice people. There are a lot of people who are kind and considerate and all these things. But to find people who are loving one another in a way that just makes no sense... That's when Christ is reflected. Practically, <clears throat> I think what it looks like, too, is church, you know, we've been going through letters to the church, letters to KCF, 
what does this look like for us? I think it's, church has to go from a once a week activity then to we are the church. Meaning, it's not, a, it's not like a place I go once a week, but it is who I am. And when all of us go out into our workplaces and into schools, wherever we are, the grocery store, wherever you're going to go after like 10.30 today, let's say, it's just who you are. You bring Christ to the, the checkout counter, the restaurant you're going to go to for lunch. Whoever you're interacting with, you are the church. And it's not that it's this once a week activity that we gather together to do. It's not a place I go, it's we are. That's a really important piece, I think, of what the paradigm shift is that we're being called to. For all of us here today, you know, Pastor Sonny said, go greet and share your aloha with someone that maybe you haven't seen in a while, right? Well, you know what the funny thing is? <clears throat> Sometimes people that we see, and we, I probably know almost everyone's name here, are we weekly acquaintances? Are we family? One of the things Pastor Chan talks about is just that. Is like, he calls this chapter the gang, I think, because he said, oddly enough, gangs kind of figure this thing out. That in the gang, people are loving one another, they got each other's back, right? Kind of shocking. The difference between the church and the gang is, are many. <laughs> Take away murder and all that kind of stuff, drugs and all that stuff, right? But the thing that they do have is they got each other's back. They're family, right? They love each other. I was just sitting with you guys, right? This is kind of what we're trying to encourage all of us to this paradigm shift. So that when people see you as someone who goes to KCF and Christian is in the name of the church you go, so you're a Christ follower. You're no more than just a clean, moral, nice person who seems to be spiritually fulfilled. But you're known as someone who loves one another. We don't come here just because we have good messages, music, and a nice kids program. We come here because it's supposed to be our way of life. Seven days a week. But this is hard, you guys. This is really hard. I think sometimes a lot of us come because of the left side of the equation. And if you have kids and there's no good kids program, you go look for another place with a good kids program. We go from... You can build camaraderie at work with your coworkers. You can even build camaraderie with the parents who are on your kids' soccer team, right? But can we move towards a biblical love, an agape kind of love? That's the paradigm shift I think Jesus is calling us to. When he says, by this, by how you love one another, they will know that you're my disciples. Francis Chan talked about... Um, Hopefully you're past page 16 in the book, okay? Um, but on page 16, he talks about an analogy of someone who at, was at his church who shared with him that they felt like the game, the rules of the game were changed. And the analogy that was used 
is that he said, it's like someone gave you a pair of ice skates as a gift. And you were skating around, you learn all these tricks, you learn how to twirl and do all these great things on the ice. And then later on, you found out that you weren't supposed to just be twirling around and learning how to skate. But you were supposed to join the hockey team. In the same way, Sometimes when you come to church and you become a Christian for the first time, you think about it as, yeah, this is for me. This is for my kids. This is for my family. I'm going to learn the Bible. I'm going to learn these things, you know, grow in my maturity. Yes, that's all right. But just like the guy who put on ice case, it doesn't end there. Because you're supposed to be part of the hockey team. You're supposed to be part of the team, a group of us who go out and disciple others. You're supposed to love one another. And so right now, what we're saying is that we don't want you to feel like the rules of the game have changed on you. This is always what it was supposed to be about. Church was always supposed to be about loving one another and going out into the marketplace, into your places of work, and for people to look at you and say, there's something different about you, and to be praying for your coworkers, even the ones that are really difficult to pray for, the ones that kind of rub you the wrong way, pray for them, pray for our leaders, and show love when there's no human reason why you're supposed to love. This is a pretty thick passage uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. But this, to me, encapsulates what we're talking about this morning. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Pause for a moment there, and that kind of strikes me as kind of scary some ways. Because if you do not love, you don't know God. This is how God showed us, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How many times did that passage include the word love. And it's a kind of love that is not just this sort of like, yeah, I love this, I love that, I, 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 I love ice cream. <laughs> but it's a deeper kind of love. A love for one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is what, what we're talking about is we have to reflect the love of Christ, the love of the Lord, in us each day. And that's the point of this chapter. on. Oh, going back. <clears throat> so what does it look like? What does this love that we're talking about, this deeper kind of love, look like? And Francis Chan did a nice job, I thought. He put like 50-some-odd, what he called, one-anothers in, the, in, in this study guide. And I, will, I just picked out a few for you, and there's a lot here, okay? So we're going to go through about six pages of this stuff. 
But I thought I'd just pick out a couple of each page. And then if you're interested after, I, I'm happy to share this with you. But what does the love of one another supposed to look like, at, biblically? One of them is to just be at peace with one another. So this is a lack of quarreling. And how much quarreling and tension and, and resentment is there between people today? Kind of a lot. And so some of it is to be at peace with one another in Mark chapter 9, verse 50. This other one here, outdo one another. Oops, sorry. It's outdo one another in showing honor. Do we show honor to each other? Do we live in harmony with one another? This is one that sometimes is challenging for Christians, I would say, too, is do not, let us not pass judgment on one another. Instruct one another. So if you have a brother or sister in Christ who you know is not kind of walking close to the Lord, we're also called out of love to instruct one another, to guide, right? When you come together to eat, wait for one another. How many of you have families where dinner time comes around and then everyone just eats by themselves? Or like whenever it's ready, you just go eat. So, so someone's eating in front of the television, someone's at the sofa, you know, someone's in the dining table. You know, sometimes that was my family. And when I saw this, I thought, well, how do you show love for one another? Is you, when you come together to eat, you break bread, you wait for one another. And then you share a meal together. And I think that's an important value. So if you're in a family today where you guys are maybe, you know, wherever like mom or dad or whoever cooked the food today says, look, hey, dinner's ready, and everyone kind of just goes and grabs their food and goes off to their part of the house, maybe think twice. Are we showing love for one another? There's a lot of things around humility. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be kind, forgiving one another. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Sometimes this is, again, very difficult for a prideful in, uh, society. I sometimes think that the most, one of the most challenge, challenging things to ushering in the kingdom of God here is individualism is that I think we promote so much that the power of the individual is above all else, that we lose a lot of what it means to submit and what it means to, to in, in humility, think of others more significant than yourselves. In fact, the message I feel like we get more and more these days is quite the opposite. Get what is yours, right? This is me, you know? Make no apology, you know? That, that's, that's sort of like the, the tone I feel like we get in our society. Do not lie and, you know, admonish one another. Sometimes you've got to admonish each other. Encourage and build up one another. And this is why if you're not in a life group, it's super important. <clears throat> because that's where the encouragement happens. That's where the building one another up happens. That's where the exhorting one another happens. And so if you're not in a life group today, I'm going to say, you're kind of missing out. Stir up one another to love and good works and do not speak evil against one another. Do not grumble against one another. 
Confess your sins. That one's a tough one. How can you confess your sins to one another? Kind of hard. But we're called to do that in love on both sides. For the, the person who's confessing and the person who's listening. Pray for one another. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart and show hospitality to one another. And then without grumbling again. <laughs> a lot of grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. You know, the Bible talks about so, much, so many times about God giving each of us a gift. Some people have a gift of maybe cooking and serving. Some people have a gift of hospitality. Some people have a gift of teaching. Some people have a gift of praying you know, there's all kinds of gifts. Use it to serve one another. And there's humility again. So there's a lot of these one another's. This is what it looks like. This is why life groups are so important. This is what we're being called to do. This is, when you look at all of these things, I don't see anything out here that says, go to a weekly, once a week, you know, service with one another. This is like everyday stuff, daily living stuff. I think that's the point that Pastor Francis Chan was trying to make in this chapter. In um, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 47, this is the famous passage that often comes out in um, wedding ceremonies. And so I thought this might be a good thing to revisit because we're talking about loving one another. How does the Bible define love? And there is oftentimes not much that I can define love by in very specific terms other than going back to 1 Corinthians 13 because it's very specific with very clear adjectives of what love is. So here we go. Love is patient, right? We know this. It is kind. And then there's like what I call eight knots. What love is not, okay? It does not envy. It does not boast not proud, the humility piece again, does not dishonor others, It's not self-seeking, again, right against the individualism of our society, it's not easily angered, and as the traffic gets worse in Hawaii, that one gets harder and harder, <laughs> no record of wrongs, in other words, we got to be ready to forgive, which is also not super easy, right, to forgive. Not delight in evil. And then there are five positives in 1 Corinthians 13. And these are rejoice with the truth. Always protect. Always trust. Always hopes. And as Christians, sometimes when stuff, life happens, I, I bet just about everybody in this room has something going on in their life. I guarantee it. Whether you personally or there's a family member, something that's going on is not the greatest. So it, whether it's health or you're just feeling junk or it's work, there's something going on. And the thing that's going to distinguish us from the rest of the world and the, the thing that's going to draw people to Christ, the, the way they're going to know we're disciples is, I think, this one. is because in spite of our circumstances, we're always hoping. We always have hope that... God is in control. We always persevere. Stuff is going to happen, 
and it's going to be easy to quit, and no one would fault you if you just said, ah, no can already. You know, the doctors don't know what to do. It's going to be pow. I'm going to call it quits. But as Christ followers, we're going to persevere. We're going to pray. In fact, we might even pray harder. And with expectation, we're going to say, Lord Jesus, I know you're going to answer this prayer. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to persevere. But how, you guys, do we get to that level of love? And how do we get to that level of which we can love one another? And so then, this is the other thing I was thinking about, is like, what prevents us then from being able to love each other as the Bible says? What prevents us? What makes us, what, like, intellectually, I bet if I said this, you guys are all like, yeah, okay, I get it, Dave. Love one another, I get it. Then what is it that's holding us back? And here's my chart. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's the blue stuff. The blue is our margin to love one another is missing. And what I mean by margin, I don't think we make the time. I think we fill our lives with so much stuff every day, the busyness of our life, that there's nothing left in the tank to love each other. Nothing left. In fact, I think although technology was supposed to make our life more efficient, I think it's made it busier. I think the fact that we have this little computer in our in a palm of our hand with emails from work that can pop in at any time, with the scores from the NFL game that you're missing, with like what happened in the news today, I think it just sucks all our time. And I think it's... We've squeezed out the margin. I have one son, Josh, as you guys, many of you know. Those of you who have two, three, four more kids know probably more than anyone else. There's so much pressure to involve them in activities that when I look at parents, they're, shell- they're spending all their time shelling the kids around to this activity and that activity and this activity. And then at the, get- at the end of the day, they sit down and they're like, what are we going to eat for dinner tonight? We don't have margin. So if, if we go to that parent, those parents, and we say, we're supposed to love one another, they're like, what you talking about? You know? Do they even have time to love people anymore? We filled our days with so much stuff. I, even my son, Josh, he fills his day, I think, with YouTube. <laughs> I outed him. Sorry, Josh. But I, you know what I mean? Like, it's too easy. So then I thought, I'm going to share this with you. And it was just a thought, and I would say, encourage you to read for yourself, pray about this yourself, and you see if this is right or not, okay? Because this is what I felt. Among the Ten Commandments, which we know, in Exodus 28, there's this one commandment that says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then I was thinking, do we take that seriously enough? Easy to take into account, do not murder. Okay, I think that one's a pretty good one. 
Honor your father and mother. Okay. I think we can even say, like, do not commit adultery. Okay. Right? What about this one? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the Sabbath day is like setting it apart. A day, we're just talking one out of seven days, keeping it set aside for the Lord. The day that we're going to just worship God, love one another one-seventh of our lives. That's it. That's the starting point. So I was thinking, maybe we got to take this commandment more seriously. Maybe when Francis Chan talks about the gang and love one another and pointing out how that, that facet of the early church was so real when you read Acts 2, maybe this is what we're talking about. We like to sometimes look at the Pharisees and, and, and the Sadducees in the Bible and go, man, those guys really jammed it up. And yeah, okay, okay. But one thing I, I feel like they kind of took maybe too seriously, but they took it seriously, was the Sabbath. So much so, they were like accusing Jesus of all kind of crazy stuff. You can't do that on the Sabbath, right? And Jesus kind of set them straight. But one thing you got to respect about them is they took it seriously. So just as a starting point, one-seventh of your life, 14% margin. On that pie, by the way, <laughs> that's 14%. It's not a lot. 14, what would happen in our lives, in our church at KCF, if we just started with giving 14% of our lives to love one another. To set it aside as holy, to love God and truly love others. I think that's what this passage is about, this, this section, this chapter is about. Would you stand with me? We'll go, we'll go pray as we close today. That's all I wanted to share with you this morning. Was, please don't let today just be one of those messages where we go, okay, love one another, got it. Okay, I gotta be more loving, okay? You know, I'm not gonna get upset at the person driving today or whatever. Cut in line, whatever happens in life. But can today be the day that we're gonna commit to setting aside that time to truly loving God and loving others? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just stand before you first, God. And I just want to repent, Lord. God, I want to repent that I, I've not taken the Sabbath day as seriously as I should have. Lord, I repent that intellectually I understand how to love one another. But maybe, Lord, not maybe. I have not loved one another as deeply as you're calling today. So Father God, today, Lord Jesus, we want to be known as your disciples. We want to be known as Christ followers in the truest sense of that, Lord. So that when people look at us, they say, you know what, something's different. By this, 
they will know that we are your disciples. So Lord, today, there's no accident, we know. There's no accident for anybody here this morning to be here. That you, you, you meant for them to be here this morning, to hear this word, God. And so my prayer is that today's word would just seep deep in everyone's hearts this morning. That there would be truly time to make margin. That time to earnestly seek you, to love you, Lord, and to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's sing this last song. And yeah, just, uh, I just pray that we would, um, in light of the message today, you know, if, we, if we really claim that that we're following Christ and that, that he's taken a hold of our hearts and we should be new creations, right? We should be looking different, just like how David's sharing today. And so this God, this, we go to you with uh, just that cry that if we're not looking different like you call us to, God, help us to take that steps to do that. Mm-hmm.